0: And welcome back to another episode of Marlin's Corner. So excited to have you all back with me today. Last week was a, a week, some might say. Uh, a lot of work last week with my other job. I work in a summer camp industry. So we are, of course, getting ready for summer 2022 and what that means. Kids are going to be back outside, hopefully. And uh, hopefully Omarion is going to go back inside. So our kids can have a chance to play outside and enjoy a summer like this kids are supposed to enjoy but with that being said let's jump into this week's episode murder and mystery we're going to start with a netflix series called the woman in the house across the street from the girl in the window that's the full title it is a mouthful it's so much that if you were to google this on google the title cuts off at a certain point and just has just three ellipses to be like You know where this is going. This series, the lead director is Michael Lehman, who has had a chance to direct episodes of American Horror Story, Jessica Jones, and Veronica Mars, which is our connection to the main character and lead, Kristen Bell, who is also the executive producer of this series. Now, the logline for the show is, for a heartbroken Anna, played by Kristen Bell, every day is the same. She sits with her wine staring across the window, enjoying watching life go by without her. But when a handsome neighbor moves in across the street, Anna starts to see a light at the end of the tunnel. That is until she witnesses a gruesome murder. Or ditch. Now, this whole series is inspired by the book The Woman in the Window by AJ Finn. And the tone of this series is, I would say, dark comedy. Now, Anna, as a character, who of course is put by Kristen Bell, uh, Anna, as a character, is ombrophobic and an alcoholic and a divorcee. Now, ombrophobic means uh, that she is afraid of the rain. As such, she spends most of her days staring out of the window at the world and is fearful of ever leaving because she doesn't want to ever be caught in the rain. This stems from a traumatic experience involving her child. And a long time ago, her husband, uh, who works as, I believe, a like psychoanalyst for um, murderers and uh, serial killers, Anna, as a character, convinces her husband, hey, it's take your daughter to work day, so you should take our daughter to your place of work, which is uh, a prison uh, with serial killers. And... Of course, on that day, it's raining. And as you can imagine, bad things happen. Uh, and so she hangs out at home and she drinks a bottle of wine. And what I think is really hilarious about this character is that um, when I say she drinks a bottle of wine, I don't mean she like takes a bottle, you know, and drinks it. I mean, she has one of those really uh, niche glasses of wine that are specifically made to hold one bottle of wine. So that was for her. She has several of those where you just, and I love how we just watch her pour a full bottle and just watch it go down and watch her like sip the top of the of the, of the wine glass to get that little bit of wine off of there so it doesn't spill onto her floor. Uh, but she drinks that. And she, of course, also pairs it with uh, some pills she takes uh, for her anxiety. Uh, and as such, she happens to witness a murder. Uh, and the spiral from there begins. Now, the murder is uh, of a woman named Lisa, who lives across the street with this hunky neighbor uh, that she kind of is infatuated by. And Lisa is sort of in the way of, of this will they, won't they type situation in her head. And so Lisa, played by Shelly Henning, is murdered in front of her. Uh, and so Anna calls the police, except when the police get there, there is no body found. Uh, there's no body, there's no blood. And so everyone remembers, oh, this is Anna. She's a divorcee. She's an alcoholic. Uh, and when the police get there, they notice that she, and when the police get there, they notice that she has pills next to her bottle of wine. They're like, oh, have you been drinking and mixing? You probably are hallucinating. You're probably crazy. And they kind of say, you know what? You need to chill and nothing happened and no one believes her. So Anna has to take it into her own hands in a very Veronica Mars-esque way and plays detective and attempts to solve this mystery. And in doing so, along the way, she learns not only to forgive herself, but to face her trauma uh, and to really become a detective not an actual detective but solve what's going on and the end of the mystery was fun but questionable it was an interesting surprise and we even get a season two uh teaser with a little bit of fun there so it definitely is something that we're going to see more of and i'm kind of excited for it this is a, a definite watch i gave it eight out of ten so you should definitely check out the woman in the house across the street from the girl in the window very long title <laughs> But my thoughts on the series, which are going to tend towards a spoiler, so if you want to skip ahead, go ahead. My thoughts on the series is that it is paced very well. The drama pulls you in, and it even alters how you receive information. Uh, this is a, a really interesting story because the story is presented to us by an unreliable main character. Because Anna is often drunk and is often mixing pills, we don't really know if what we're seeing is real. And it comes into question a lot. There's a certain part in the movie where she is, she sees the school bus pull up across the street and she goes, Oh my goodness, we're gonna be late. She goes upstairs and she talks to her daughter and tells her, Hey, we gotta get ready to go to school. And then she, you know, goes to school. We believe she drops her off, and she's standing outside of school in her, like, robe and her slippers and is in front of the school. For a long time, we're thinking to ourselves, oh, wow, she's just, you know, she's just a mess, but at least she got her daughter to school. We then fast forward to a couple of scenes where she's, you know, being set up for a blind date, and she's getting ready for it. And she's asking her daughter, hey, can you, like, at least tell me I look nice? And the daughter says, you know I'm dead, right? And with that scene, we realize that there's a huge chunk of the story that was just not true. This woman showed up to an elementary school. She doesn't have a child. She's in her robe and just standing there by herself looking at children. So we're like, oh, is this woman crazy? Like, that's crazy. You're you're in front of a school full of children and you ain't got kids you you just stand in there? That's suspect. And we see more of these moments where we're just kind of like, oh, wow, like that information was just very wrong. Oh my God, like I can't trust this main character. And so with this information being painted with this biased paintbrush, we just question everything. And it's definitely fun because we go through this list of suspects in her brain. We first assume that, oh, the, the girlfriend Lisa is a bad woman and so like through our brain we're thinking oh she's actually a gold digger who is cheating on the hunky next door neighbor until she dies they were like oh she's a victim in in, in Anna's mind so now Anna's like who could it be oh she has this Instagram boyfriend maybe he's the murderer so now we're seeing him through a suspect lens and then once he's taken off the list we're seeing the hunky husband like oh he's probably the murderer and for the length of the film we're given this character who was like okay they've got to be evil they probably were like cheating on the wife who we find out also died died under mysterious circumstances and he was a suspect we also know that, oh that her that the hunky next door neighbor was also his daughter was in a elementary school where the teacher died and we're like oh what if he murdered the wife to date the teacher then he murdered the teacher so all this info that we're given it's pretty much filtered through Anna and so we're just like oh great like this is probably it like she probably has the pieces together until it all kind of crumbles apart under the story and it honestly it, just, it, it keeps you on your toes the entire time because you're just like cool like what new information is coming next what's going to adjust how we see this and it it feels really fun and I think the only part where I start losing, where points start getting lost for me are just these several scenes that just kind of stand out as like, this is nonsensical. For instance, um, her ex-husband, who is played by Michael Eli, together they are responsible for the murder of their child. So we, we know that the child... Is murdered, uh, and the way the child is murdered is in the most ridiculous way possible. Apparently, it's take your daughter to work day. And again, the ex husband works directly with serial killers and murderers. Anna guilt trips him into taking their daughter to his place of work, which again, Is with serial killers and murderers. And not only does he agree to do this, but he even takes the little girl with him in the room to interview a murderer. And what's worse is that he gets up to leave the room. And again, it seems to be knowledge that, oh, if you leave this room, the door locks behind you so that I guess the murderer can't get out. I don't know. But anyway, this man gets up Let's his daughter stay in the room with this murderer the door of course locks behind them and so surprise surprise the little girl is murdered by a murderer and you're left being like this could have all been avoidable if you had just realized oh my husband works with murderers i'm not sending you to go to take your daughter to work day there like that's not that that makes no sense i understand how i don't understand how that was an argument they had of like oh if you care about her you'll take her to work it's like no I work with people who have murdered and killed people, and I'm still trying to figure out where they're hiding bodies. Like, absolutely not. It was just wild, honestly. And it even goes further where we find out that the, ex, the ex-hexman at some point has employed a handyman who not only is a murderer, but is one of his ex-patients, and he doesn't tell Anna at all. Like, she has no clue that... This handyman, who's just at home with her all the time, who is around sharp objects and tools, murdered his entire family with a claw hammer. And she finds this out after they've divorced. This is after, meaning that in this, in this, in the series, when this man is constantly around her, this man, we don't know anything else about him. We also find out that he's been living in the attic of her home. So now we're faced with like multiple, just new information that one he murdered his whole family two he's a patient of this of her ex-husband and three he has been illegally sleeping in a house of a single woman who has been hearing thumps and bumps and has been absolutely freaking out about it and four her husband is telling her the whole time like oh you're just hearing things like the house is just old so it's like all that is like why why did this, none of this needed to have happened? This is all strange, and I think ultimately, I think the like I think the the more egregious portion of this film is that towards the end of the film, when we're going down the suspect list and we're thinking who could it be, who could the murderer be, we finally find out that the murderer of Lisa just so happens to be. 10 year old emma now 10 year old emma is the daughter of the hunky neighbor and anna was like trying to connect with her because this little girl reminded her of her lost daughter and her lost child and like oh like this girl is so sweet so kind she likes to sell cookies she likes to draw and again this 10 year old girl murdered a grown woman in the beginning of this. But it gets even more muddied when they decide to go all in on this child murderer. Like, great, she's a child serial killer because not only has she murdered Lisa in this film, but she also is responsible for murdering her mother by swimming underwater where there was a dock and sawing the wood pillars away to where at a certain point they collapsed and her mother drowned because the mother was pregnant with a little brother and she didn't want a little brother. And then even further by saying, hey, she also murdered her classroom school teacher by pushing her over a rail down a cliff. And we're going to even further, she also murdered her father. So she's killed three adults this 10-year-old girl who is very tiny, who is super tiny, and she also at some point injures the handyman who, again, is uh, an ex-murderer, I guess, or newly rehabilitated murderer. So she, this this little four-foot-something like something little girl is murdering adults, and apparently no one can subdue her. And we get this really... What I'm, what I'm sure is supposed to be a scary standoff, but a silly standoff, where Kristen Bell is going one-on-one with this little girl, and is having, for some reason, the hardest time. Like, either this little girl has Hulk strength, or this scene is just overly dramatic, and it's absolutely the latter. Like, this little girl is, like, throwing Kristen Bell around, like, putting her into, like, headlocks, and it's like, this should not be difficult. Put your boot, in that little girl's chest and knock her to the ground like none of this should be hard but hey honestly i laughed the entire fight scene it was so over the top so dramatic and it ends with 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 child murder so um again dark comedy so give it a watch if you want to go through uh the rigmarole that is like what the hell am i watching and even when we get to the close of the film, when things are somewhat wrapped and Anna's like comfortable leaving the house and she's on a she's on a plane to go somewhere, uh, we get a a really dope cameo for season two. We get a Glenn Close cameo, and of course this is all around you know Anna's favorite things: wine and pills. She's on the plane, she pops some pills and some wine because she's nervous about flying. She wakes up, Glenn Close is gone. She goes to use the restroom, and of course. Glenn Close's body is in there. She goes to get the she goes to get the uh, air steward like, hey, there's a body in here. They're like, actually, no, there's nobody in here. You're crazy. Go sit down. The flight's still happening. And there we have it, folks. Season two. Murder on a Plane. Look out for it, because it's coming, and it's, like, honestly, really dope. So, again, y'all, this is a good film. Uh, This is a good series, 8 out of 10. Next up, we have Murderville, uh, directed in part by Ian Morris, who has some hands in uh, What We Do in the Shadows, uh, and the lead cast and executive producer, someone you're going to know off top, is going to be Will Arnett. Uh, Now, the logline for this Series is Welcome to Murderville, a new series starring Will Arnett as a detective, aka Terry Seattle, who in every episode has to solve a murder with a new celebrity guest star as his partner. Uh, the catch is the guest star is never given a script, so they have to improvise their way through the case. And like a few other American shows, this is based off of a British show uh, called Murder and Successful by Tiger Aspect Productions and Shiny Button Productions. And it's honestly, it's so niche and it's it just feels so new that it's like, I've never seen this done before and it's so dope. Because again, we, we've seen shows that are about you know doing improv in the field, uh, if you've watched a couple of... Like, true tv we're like oh you can tell that this camera is like for you know live action stuff like oh like this is like being filmed in a mall and like everyone's walking around and everyone's confused but this is scripted with elements of improv in it and it's produced in a way that looks like an episode of like brooklyn 99 to where you can to where you can't tell like oh like this could have been a scripted show but they just inserted a guest star to kind of like make things funny and it works so well. There are six episodes and there is a linear storyline for specific scripted characters but the celebrity guest is the one outlier amongst them and that's what makes it, I think, a perfect blend of improv and scripted comedy. Um, My favorite guest stars out of the entire six episodes have to be Marshawn Lynch and Kumail Nanjiani. Now, the way the guests are the, you know, they're the headliner of these episodes I think really works well with it. You know, there definitely are scripted characters and it's really fun to watch the scripted characters break due to how funny and ridiculous the guest stars respond to the situations. Even with those examples, I'm I'm already remembering a specific scene with Marshawn Lynch. Now, Marshawn is hands down the realest and funniest individual ever. Whether he's on TV and a scripted version or non-scripted or just doing a talk show, he is his most authentic self no matter what. And he ran wild in this show. There were multiple moments where like the Oakland in him came out and responded to the situations and I think it's what made his episode in particular so funny uh, there's a specific scene where he and Will Arnett are in an interrogation room and the two-way mirror has been taken out of the wall so it's just a hole in the wall and Will tells, <laughs> tells Marshawn, we have to mirror their movements and pretend like the mirror is still there and they won't notice it just 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 go with it and so they're just like marrying uh, some people's uh, Movements, and they're just, like, pretending to, like, be them. And at a certain point, when Will <laughs> tells Marshawn, okay, forget it, it isn't working, go get him, uh, and he goes to, like, you know, hop to the window, Marshawn leaps through the hole in the wall and pins Rob Hobble to the opposite wall with the speed of a football player. Like, he was on him immediately. And at a certain point, he has to, like, back himself up, like, oh, I might be doing too much, and, like, resume the improv scene. But you can tell he was, like, a kid, and a shop. He's like, I wanna play. And he played hard. And like, honestly, props to Rob Hobble because there were multiple because like not only in that moment did he have to like keep up like the scripted, but he also had to respond to a second moment where Marshawn put hands on him again. And this episode in particular, Rob Hobble is playing a uh, Triplets who are suspected of you know of murder of their mother, and the whole show is around figuring out which of the triplets could have done it. And so there's a scene where Rob Hubble's playing a um, disaster individual who's like, "I gotta be in my bunker. I gotta be ready for the end of times." Uh, and Marshawn and Will Arnett kind of like sneak into his home and they set off an alarm, and of course. Rob Hobble in character comes out with, like, a, a rubber bat and is, like, being aggressive. And Marshawn, like, grabs him and, like, throws him on a couch and, like, snatches the bat from him. And <laughs> and it was just so aggressive. And what's great about the scene is that at a certain point, like, Rob Hobble still in character, like, puts his arm around Marshawn and kind of pat him on the back to kind of be like, hey... Calm down. Like, that was a lie. Like, hey, I need you. And then Marshall's like, patting him also on the back. Like, you're right. I'm sorry to like, keep going with the scene. But you can tell that it was just like a very, like, he had an immediate reaction. Like, oh, there's a threat. I need to uh, extinguish said threat in this scene. And he responded, and kind. And it was just, so good to see Marshawn, like, lock in his role as a detective and, like, even get into, like, improv. And, like, he did an amazing job and made it so much fun to watch. Now, Kumail Nanjiani, his episode, also top tier. Uh, now, Kumail is, in all, in all honesty, one of the funniest people in Hollywood. The man has done the Silicon Valley, Stuber, Lovebirds. Uh, he knows his comedy and he knows his improv. Uh, and even in this type of show, he was a laughing mess. I mean, from the jump, he was breaking character so often. And you can tell the show definitely ramped up the improv for him specifically. And the character work in this episode was just nonstop funny. Uh, his episode was around going to uh, Detective Seattle's high school reunion and figuring out who murdered this Mark zuckerberg s character. Uh, and the whole thing is like, great, Kumail, you gotta make me will Arnett look popular and look cool because I wasn't cool in high school? And there's a scene where he's trying to coach Camille on how to do an ugly walk. And as they're going back and forth, for for like 20 minutes, um, neither of them were able to move on from that scene because of how funny it was. And it just feels really cool to be a part of it because you, you can see that... Will Arnett has scripts, he he knows his line, and Kumail is just trying to figure out what he needs to do in that scene, but can't because the interaction is just so funny and so genuine that you're just left there laughing with them of like, I don't know what's happening and I'm confused, but this is the funniest thing I've seen so far. And it's just, it was an amazing ride, and it's just... For six episodes of this, it was so good. I mean, they got folks like Sharon Stone on there as well. Uh, I don't know what season two could hold, but I'm hoping there's going to be a season two. Um, And what's great about this is that, again, it is, you know, script, it is improv, but the guest steers how the show wraps. Um, The whole time, the guest is expected to, yes, have fun, but also to take notes on the three suspects that they are introduced to. Now, there are multiple clues and hints at who the the killer could be, and there are also clues and hints as to who the killer couldn't be. And they have to compare and contrast those notes together because maybe suspect one has certain points where they could be the killer, but there are also other clues around them or through their speech that would that would intonate that great, this person is actually not a suspect because. Maybe they don't like whistling. Who knows? But by the end of the episode, the guest has to announce who the killer is uh, in order for the story to progress. Now, if the guest is wrong, the police chief, played by Hanif Woods, Hanifa Woods, will come in and say, hey, that's actually wrong, and let me list why it's wrong. Let me explain all the evidence to you and then fire you because you got this wrong and your one job as a guest was to correctly name the murderer and you didn't do that so hey you're fired. Uh and it was it's a great formula. It's really great. It's a, I'm hoping we see more of this. I want to see them pull in like Keegan Michael Key. Uh, I want to see them pull and maybe Kevin Hart, maybe The Rock. I want to see them pull in more people to be in these situations just to see how they respond because it's because I think it's it's more than just like basic I say a thing, you say a thing. They also have them do hey, get in this costume and like put on this voice and like, hey, put in this earpiece and I'm going to feed you lines and you have to recite the lines exactly no matter how weird and goofy Will Arnett makes them. Or hey, I'm going to give you a code name that's like maybe so-and-so Wiener Bottom, and you have to say that that's your name without laughing. Or, hey, let's go on this Shark Tank-like show and sell this product that you have no idea what the product is, but I want you to like commit to this role. So I'm looking forward to seeing more of this. It's really great, really funny. And it's honestly, I give it a 10 out of 10. It's just so new to Netflix that I think they have uh, an amazing IP that I'm looking forward to seeing more of. And lastly, to wrap up, I'm going to briefly talk about... The Tender Swindler. Uh, and if you haven't seen it, first things first, absolutely fuck Simone Levev. It He's a terrible individual, just god-awful. And this isn't, like, a new thing. If you've, Ever watch any of these like Netflix or any of these documentaries or docu series on people who take advantage of others? It's conning people is like truly disgusting and truly the worst thing I've ever seen. They're just preying on people's kindness in a way that I think is disgusting because the kindness of others. A lot of people depend on that. A lot of people are here today because the kindness of someone. uh, And I think it's really terrible that these scenarios could make it to where people could be forever affected to be like, you know what? I'm no longer going to be kind or be available to others in this way because of how I've been burned in the past. And it takes a truly, you know, morbid and evil person to take everything from someone, and just leave them to suffer in your wake, just to ruin their whole world and walk away and leaving them with just the embers of, of, of what they once had. This documentary uh, talked about or focused on these women that were on Tinder dates with this man, Simone Levev, uh, and how they were felt close and connected to him and felt like he was the one because they were like, hey, this is tender. The worst that could happen is that, like, hey, they are a bad person or, or they ghost me. And so they get emotionally involved with this person. They fall in love with this person, takes them on these extravagant dates and, like, goes to and far and goes to infinity and beyond to prove how much he loves them only for the only for him to subsequently uh use that foundational uh kindness that he supported that he set up with them for his financial gain and it's just it's terrible to watch him not only do it once twice three times multiple times to multiple people over a span of years gaining so much money from it all uh, It's terrible. And I think, like, we've all had a moment where, like, we've had someone who we've relied on or who's been kind to us. uh, And without them, we probably wouldn't have been able to either, you know, make a payment, get somewhere on time. Like, the kindness of others are things that, as humans, we seek out and we cherish and we try to foster. Yet there are people like this who exist in the world who solely seek it as a means of financial gain. And even though there was, like, a bright spot of, like, there was a woman who figured out what was going on and was able to, you know, flip the script and like start getting money out of him and him getting angry at her even though that felt good ultimately even when he was caught we're just reminded that there are truly no happy endings he spends only five months in prison uh he's now a free man in israel who has returned to living the high life he's out here you know driving bentley's and ferraris dating models going on extravagant like purchases trips like there's no one that's gonna like Sue this man and win because what he did technically wasn't against the law because, again, he's leveraging his emotional uh, clout with friends. Quote unquote friends for his financial gain. And so these, these people that he's harmed and these people that he's harmed and that he's hurt are still to this day paying back those loans they took out, those predatory loans with those high interest rates. They're still left with that and they can't get any assistance from it because this man successfully conned them in a way to where he at the most is just seen as a bad person. But There's not much they can do about it. Hopefully people see this and something comes of it. But as of now, this man is a free man living the high life with no consequences uh, attributed to him at all, other than the ire of social media. So there you go. And with that, folks, that wraps our discussion on murder and mystery. As a reminder, the woman in the house across the street from the girl in the window 8 out of 10. Murderville, 10 out of 10. Uh, I'm not even going to rate the Tinder Swindler because those shows always make me emotionally angry. But um, add the other two shows to your list and give them a watch with some friends. It is a fun ride. It is a fun afternoon and I guarantee you will laugh. Uh, Tell me if you like it. Hit me up on Instagram or Facebook uh, at Marlin's Corner. We appreciate you. We value you. Have an amazing day and we'll catch you next time on Marlin's Corner. episode of Marlin's Corner is produced in Richmond, California.